You are listening to the InspireWire Podcast, Episode 10. Welcome Welcome to to the InspireWire, a podcast where ideas are exchanged, worlds are traveled, and life is experienced. This is the InspireWire with your host, Tom Murphy. Alright everyone, welcome to episode 10 of the InspireWire podcast. Today's guest is Matt Keyes, one of my friends from that I met in college. Uh, he went to UMass and was captain on the soccer team. And uh, he, he started multiple small businesses. Um, he's living out in Boston um, and working at, in sales at a software company. And um, he's also a dual citizen of the U.S. and Australia. And we talk a lot of, about a lot of things, uh, about what's going on with him, what it's like to, and, and how it works to have, um, you know, your, your typical 9-to-5 job and then, your, and then your side business that you're working on um, in your off time, um, as well as a bunch of other topics and things that he's interested, like investing. Um, so... I think you guys will really enjoy it, so let's go to the interview. I'm here with Matt Keys, uh, my my friend. Um, we've known each other for a few years um, since uh, college, and uh, he was happy enough to come on the show. Um, he's from Massachusetts, went to UMass and is now living in Boston, is roommates with my girlfriend Morgan, and uh, so we're going to talk about a lot of things. Uh, Matt, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. I've been enjoying listening in on them, so happy to partake. Yeah, uh, I appreciate uh, being a listener. That's always good. You kind of <laughs> get a sense of how the show works and all that stuff, so that's good. Um so just to give them a little background to you to open up the uh, conversation, um, you went to UMass, um, you played on the soccer team, uh, and you were a captain, and you guys, you know, that's a, that's a really uh, big accomplishment, you know, you're able to play a really competitive level, and, um, and from what I understand, you're able to um, take that, you know, what you've learned um, as a soccer player and apply that into a business called ID Sports, I believe. Yep, yep, that's it. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, this? It's a clinic or a, um, I don't know how to describe it, but they have, um, you have a lot of, uh, college athletes or no uh, high school athletes who want to get recruited by um college teams come and try out yeah yeah so basically um obviously when i was in high school i was you know trying to play college soccer so the experience as a high school athlete is pretty interesting because you know if you're competitive and you want to play at the next level which is college um you're always thinking and trying of thinking of ways to be exposed and be recruited and be evaluated and basically just get face time with college coaches um and i'm sure you kind of saw that through your your experience in high school too but 
one of the things with soccer, and it, it, it probably transfers best to like lacrosse, but there's a lot of tournaments and showcases that you can go to. And what happens is it ends up being monetarily pretty expensive um, if you're doing lots of camps or lots of clinics and colleges. So when I was in college, uh, my, my good friend Carlo, he's actually my business partner, he, um, we, we were driving to a revolution game one game or one day. And I remember he came up to me and he was like, Hey man, like my brother is, is, you know, he's trying to play college lacrosse. And, you know, he went to this really cool thing the other day. It was like kind of a college showcase. They brought in a bunch of colleges and they just basically scrimmage in front of all these colleges. And I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. And he's like, we should think about starting one for soccer. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, that's like not a bad idea, but sounds like a lot of work. And at the time I was a senior in uh, college. So fast forward a couple of months, I came up to him one day and I was just like, hey, remember that thing you told me about, like doing these showcases and bringing in college coaches? I was like, that sounds pretty cool. Like, why don't we give it a shot? Um, and so actually what we did is I did after I graduated a year of college coaching um, at a Division II school, Franklin Pierce. I was the assistant coach um, of the soccer team there. And that was just a really great experience for me, just building a foundation for the camps, like being able to not only network with colleges, but also <clears throat> just learn more about the industry as a whole. And so basically what we do is we run three-hour showcases. So we call them showcases. Okay. And basically what happens is players will register for it, um, and they go through a registration process. They tell us you know, their name, uh, where they're from, the team they play for, the position they play, uh, what colleges they're interested in, their SAT score, GPA, desired major, kind of everything you need in order to start the college process or kind of like at least start thinking about it. Right. And so <clears throat> what we do is we bring the college coaches in and they're three hours. And so the first hour and a half, the players will come and based on the schools that are attending and the schools that the players say that they're interested in, uh, we'll try to pair them with those colleges for the training session. Um, then after the first hour and a half, we transition from training into scrimmages and then from there, the coaches just observe the scrimmages and try to recruit. So we started with one event, and then uh, I think we got a little bit lucky. It actually sold out, and we were like, hey, this is actually a decent idea. Um, we kind of just went with it, and then here we are today. I think we've done close to 20 of them in, in four different states, and we did. Uh, we started with only boys, and now we're doing girls as well. So it's been a pretty cool cool learning experience and just like learning more about business and the industry as a whole. Yeah, that sounds like a really cool experience. You're able to bring the soccer, um, your your knowledge of soccer and the experience as a high school player and kind of to use that and be able to create a business that um, you know that other high school players would desire because they're looking to get seen. And and that, that that's really cool. Um, I guess... Uh, one question would be, um, how were you able to kind of get into that uh, specific market? Because I know that when I was a kid um, in high school and I was, you know, going to football and baseball camps and showcases, it was a pretty packed, it seemed like there were so many different, um, you know, companies that had their own showcases and things i'm sure that's kind of similar with soccer what was the, the specific edge that you had or or opportunity that you know got you in the door 
Yeah, so it's a really saturated market, actually. Uh, and one of the reasons why is, um, and anyone who kind of played a college sport would know this, but every college runs their own showcases, too. So if I'm interested in UMass, UMass holds their UMass soccer ID clinic. So kids who are coming to UMass or want to come to UMass will pay to go to those clinics. Um, and then also, say they're interested in three other schools, they'll be going to all three of those clinics. So they have to pay each time. So what we saw was an opportunity to kind of make it a little more efficient, not only time-saving, but also um, financially for families. So instead of having to go to five different camps, um, what you can do is you can just come to ours and it's, you know, you're getting more for your money because you're seeing, you're being seen by seven to 10 schools. Um, so really the only options before were you could go to the individual colleges and go to those camps um, and then you would have to bounce around each one because if you wanted to be seen by multiple schools, you'd have to go to different ones. Um, the other options were actually really expensive summer camps. So they'd be like three to four day overnight camps. Oh, right. Um, so those were really expensive. So there was never like really that middle ground. The advantages of the long camps were you would be seen by all the, they would have a lot more coaches there. Um, but there wasn't really that middle ground. So that's kind of where we came in, kind of the, the ability to have multiple schools at one location, but also it's cost efficient where you're not spending, you know, $700 to go for three to four days. And that's just, for some families, not realistic. So we wanted to find that middle ground. And that's really where the opportunity came um, for the business model that we do. Yeah, that that's uh, that's really cool that you guys found that window. And just for one day, uh, a high school senior or, or junior usually, right, uh, were, were yep. able to come in and they get exposed to a bunch of um, college coaches, coaches that they're interested in. But, uh, yeah, yeah, so uh, good luck with uh, that. It seems like it's going well. And uh, how are you able um, – where do you see it going in the future as, as um, you know, you're someone who has a job, you're living in Boston right. – and you're, you're trying to navigate, you know, um, the success of your business, but also uh, your job. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, I say ID Sports is kind of my five to nine job. Um, oh, right. I, I work in the city um, uh, for a software company. And it's actually, you know, in the future, it's all about controlled growth because you don't want to try to grow too too fast where, you know, you're putting in the time and effort, but it's not you're not reaping the benefits of it, whether that be running successful events or just giving people a good experience through and through. Um, so it's kind of that happy medium of how do we make it so we can still retain our customers and give them a good experience, but at the same time grow and scale. So we're, it's it's kind of we run it really efficient. So because we understand that both Carlo and I have full time jobs and like I, just, I don't see myself or I don't think we see ourselves like ever quitting to do it full time. Um, it's more of a thing where like it's a fun hobby for us and we see it as a way to just help players get seen. We both played college soccer and we know that, you know, our events help kids. So that's really a fun part. And just being able to interact with players and run your own business is kind of fun because you get to try new things. And I always said it like that first event we ran was a better learning experience than like my whole senior year in college, you know, because it's just like yeah. so many, like it's unexpected. You're not sure what to expect operationally, like dealing with insurance, dealing with facilities, dealing with parents and everything like that. It's so dynamic and you can really learn a lot. But in the future, like we, we want to scale it controllably. Um, but no, we're, we're having a lot of fun with it. And, and we're also happy to see where it goes down the road as well. Yeah. 
that's that's really cool. You're able to you know jump right in as opposed to like like in school if you're uh, learning about business you're not really getting right. the hands-on experience but in this sense um, you're learning a lot in a short amount of time which is always good so yeah that, that's really cool yeah. um, and I'm sure like for you if you were to take like a media class in college right you probably learn more starting this podcast than you would in that whole class you know yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly I've had to do my uh, homework as far as all these right. different types of things yeah, because you because you need to rely on your own kind of knowledge, your own willpower to to learn it all. So you're kind of more invested in it. Yeah, exactly. When when it's something that you're really invested in, um, you 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 go the extra mile. You're you're more willing to uh, learn more about it. So yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, so and for you, like you said, you, this is something that you want to grow. You you want to control it, um, but you're not really sure. As far as you know, you don't see it as a full-time thing, but um, it's it's kind of like um, uh, I know that you had a a little bit of history, you know, with the entrepreneurship. You know, you you were able to create um, a small landscaping company uh, with with your brother, I believe. Yeah, so it's pretty funny. It was called Keys Bros Landscaping, okay. uh, but I actually didn't run it with my brother. I ran it with my uh, childhood, one of my best friends, Colin. Um, he's actually out in California now, so we he was one of my neighbors. So we ran it, and for some, I still don't even know why we named it Keys Bros Landscaping because he wasn't my brother. But <laughs> eventually, when we needed a third guy, uh, my brother would help out, yeah. Okay, but that's funny. You were able to, you know... Um, another another type of thing where you were, you know, starting your own business, but it was kind of, you know, your hobby. Is this something that you could see yourself in the future um, continuing to grow something that potentially is a full-time um, operation? Um, maybe. It's just, it's risky, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's hard to do it because I think, I mean, at least in today's age with like health insurance and whether it be retirement funds, whatever it may be, it's so risky just to kind of drop or what I'm used to having like a foundation, a steady job and a steady paycheck and to kind of jump into something kind of all in. So I, I don't know if I ever would. Um, I, I think it would get to a point where I would probably we would probably hire somebody before we jumped in full time just to kind of mediate the daily to do's. Right. Um, but but I don't, it all it all depends. Right. So. I guess it would have to. I would have to see where we're at and where the company's at and where my full-time job is that I have now is at before making that. I I don't know if I would though. And I think a lot of people who start companies out of out of high school or out of college do it so that they can someday have that as their full-time job. And actually, my friend Colin out in out in California is pretty similar. Um, but but yeah, I, I think it would all depend based on the growth and kind of where I'm at with my own career too so it's difficult to see for sure yeah that that's the smart that's the smart thing you know you got to do your homework and make yeah. sure that it's uh, a viable thing but that's good that you're able to uh, maintain both at the same time and uh, but I guess if you had to choose uh, if all things are are the same and they're working well you you prefer that that lifestyle where you're you're working on something that you could put your stamp on that is your own kind of, t- right. kind of thing. 
Yeah, definitely. It's it's like the American dream of just yeah. having your own hours and having your own kind of business and being able to have and it's more lucrative, you know, because you kind of cut out the middleman. You're right. you're working for a company based on being the company, so right. it's, it's more lucrative monetarily. But yeah, but but with that, I mean, risk risk first reward, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it definitely is. Um, you're you're gambling on yourself, which. Which right. a lot of people, you know, it's it's that much more rewarding, like you said, the risk and yeah, reward. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah and uh, a lot of people, um, you talk to a lot of business owners when they say when when you ask them what is it like being a business owner, and a lot of them will say, well, you know, I really enjoy it, um, but the one thing is it kind of takes over your life because that really you're putting does. in so much time and effort into this product and and there's so many overtime hours that you're putting in you know yeah and it's funny because like if we get an email like we have obviously like an admin or info general mailbox and it's like if we get an email from somebody who has a question i'm so tempted to literally just like pop up my computer and respond right away (laughs) and it's like a saturday at 11 a.m and it's hard because you, you really are so invested because at the end of the day you're always thinking like how is each decision going to impact it for whether it be tomorrow or a week down the road or, or maybe even a year. So it's hard to being able to kind of shut off. Like I have outlook on my phone, uh, for my, my work that I do in Boston and, uh, at Oracle in every day on my commute back on the train, I delete the Outlook app. So I'm not tempted to check my work email because I'm like, I just got to <laughs> shut off. And I literally. I literally do it every single time I'm on the road back because I'm like, I know yeah. I'm just going to be looking at it all night long if I don't. So trying to shut off and kind of take a step away and a step back is oftentimes difficult. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that in in a sense because um, I have uh, email on my phone for my work. But the one thing that I will say is I have a separate work phone, which is great oh, because I can just turn that, that bad nice. boy off. <laughs> yeah, lock lock it downstairs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's but yeah, funny. no, that is true. It, it's hard to separate, you know, especially when you have your own uh, business. That it's hard to separate um, your free time from 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 work. So, right. um, but yeah, it's always a balance. And I mean, with uh, Nicole and Morgan. Um, that they, they you you kind of are surrounded by um right. people who have their own business who are always uh do it um always constantly in work mode you know almost yeah yeah exactly it's it's really hard to shut off and I've actually been trying to get better at it but it's it's just like because you always feel like if a customer or client whatever it is need something like they're turning to you and they're relying on you so you you don't you don't only really feel obligated to but like you kind of feel like that's your job you have to do it right away so it's, it's definitely hard to shut off yeah for sure but uh yeah that's awesome and i hope uh you know moving forward that uh everything goes well and um and the business is booming for you guys yeah id sports appreciate it but, yeah. <laughs> so um so maybe you guys you could tell us a little bit more about what you actually do at the uh, software company um, sure. and, and kind of what your role is or, or and how you got into it and what you like about it. 
Yeah, definitely. So um, about a year ago, I started a company called NetSuite, um, and we're a, we're a cloud computing software company. And uh, like two months after I started, we actually got acquired by Oracle, um, who's obviously a, a extremely large software company. And so it was actually pretty interesting, like just starting for a new company. Like it's my first kind of full time job out of college. Um, and, and, you know, we get acquired right away. So there was like a lot of uncertainty around that. Um, and you know, it's all, it's all going well now, but my role is I'm on the sales side. So we're a B2B company. So we work with other companies and we sell them enterprise software. So the software that we sell is used for companies to track inventory, financials, accounting, um, kind of that, all the back office, uh, software and it's, and it's a cloud product. So the cool thing about my role with the company is the way we go to market uh, for NetSuite is we call it verticalized. So what that means is instead of selling different products, we sell this, everyone sells the same product, but to different companies. So it's verticalized based on industry. And so the position that I'm in, I work with other software companies. So selling software to software companies. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So there's other verticals that are like manufacturing, wholesale distribution, services companies, nonprofits, um, it kind of, like advertising, media, and publishing. It kind of goes on and on. And the really cool thing about it is I work in our um, like our high growth software stage. So the companies that I'm speaking to on a daily basis are have employees between zero and a hundred. So a lot of the companies that I'm seeing are, you know, these disruptors in the software space that have high venture capital funding. They have angel um, investors, and you know they're experiencing that crazy high growth. Um, and the other thing that I really enjoy about it is, you know, I'm I'm two years out of college, and the main individuals that we're speaking to at companies are usually the C-suite. So whether it be the CEO, CFO, COO, um, VP of finance, and it's, it's cool just, you know, at our age to be able to interact kind of at their level and understand a lot of the core business challenges that they're experiencing on a daily basis. So it's really unique and it's actually a really good supplement to kind of owning my own business because you're talking to, these people who are in these like high growth environments and a lot of the challenges that they're seeing, like having too much work to handle, looking for more automation, looking for ways to find new revenue streams, whatever it may be, actually relates a lot to what I deal with on a daily basis. So it's really cool. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And uh, every day is a little bit different, but I'm, uh, I, have, I have nothing but good things to say about it. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, that's... Um that's a good environment for sure to be in if yeah. if you're you know a business minded person and and I'm sure that's that was one of the factors that you kind of took into to account when you're you know looking for a job and uh, right. it's nice to you know uh, get more experience in that regard and and as a, um, as you have this sales job you're able to hone your own skills and right. and and learn a lot more about the business side so yeah. That's really yeah, cool. I didn't. I didn't really know what to expect going into sales because it was, it's kind of like a dirty word. Like you say, <laughs> yeah. sales and people are like, oh, like okay. Um, but I don't know if it's just like being a college athlete and being competitive and just kind of because the thing about sales is, and I would say it on my interviews when I go into interviews is, like no one's gonna do your job for you. Like no, it, like in sales, in order to be successful. Like you have to work hard at it. It's a meritocracy, right? So you get rewarded for what you do. Right. Um, so a lot of what it was going into it was like related back to being a college athlete is like 
you got to show up every day. You got to put in a shift. Like you got to work hard. If you're not working hard, it shows because, you know, in sports, you're not getting playing time or like in sales, you're not getting rewarded for, for what you're achieving. So there were a lot of parallels that I drew and it, it's ended up being a really good fit so far. So I love it. It's, it's, it's really fun. Yeah. It's always good to, um, bring out the competitiveness that you've always had, you know, throughout your life, you know, as high school and college athletes. Um, and even in school, I think there is a competitive edge to, you know, sure. uh, do well in school and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, that's always good that you're able to apply, you know, the core foundations of your personality, you know. I'm definitely a competitive person, too, so it's 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 cool right. um, to definitely uh, use that in a work setting. But, but um, yeah, so uh, you have... Uh, one of your interests um, is like personal finance and investing, and um, and you kind of showed me um, a few things, or or I guess um, you showed me an app, Robinhood, where you can kind of you yep. know trade for free, you know stocks right. like that. Um, and uh, I guess I wanted to ask a little bit about um, how you uh, do personal finance now, because it's a a really important topic for a lot of college grads. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess it's a important to- topic for everyone, but just right. in speaking from our experience, you know, no one gives you a, you know, personal finance course in, in high school. No one teaches right. you that. And unless you really search for it in college, you're not going to learn how you manage your finances and things like that. So, um, and when we're coming out of college, we have loans, we have mm-hmm. a lot of things that we have to balance. We're in the real world now, so it's like you got to see, all right, where should I be saving and investing my money? So um, how, how have you, you know, uh, dealt with that? Yeah, so you make a good point about, like, never taking a class in high school. And I relate it to, like, to, everyone always says, like, oh, I graduated high school and college, but I don't know how to like pay off loans. I don't know how to do this. Like there's no course that teaches you about taxes and about buying a house and and all that, you know, the real life stuff. So you kind of have to take it upon yourself to learn about personal finance. So I, I'm actually really into it. And I know we talk about investing too. And when I, I use, so I use a, a Reddit. I don't know if you've heard of Reddit before, but it's, there's a thread on Reddit, which I recommend to people who are kind of interested in it called personal finance. And it's actually where it kind of intrigued me off the bat. Um, so like every day there's new posts and like it's people like, Hey, I'm recent grad. I'm looking to do this. Like, what do you guys recommend? And, and people will jump in and, and put their input based on like their income and their expenses and cross reference things. But yeah, that's kind of where it spurred from. And I think just being in like business and, and like having a full time job now after college, it's, you feel more responsible and you feel more responsibility in terms of how you're setting yourself up for your future. So, um, I, I do like a couple different things. I do a 401k through work and then I also do, um, an IRA, a Roth IRA, um, all through fidelity. And then I do some investing on the side, as you mentioned in Robinhood, um, which is a really great app just for, um, general investing in stocks and, or any other sort of funds. And then I also have what's called a Betterment account. 
and that's basically um, automatic. It's kind of it's not it's kind of I guess I would say AI. It's automated investing, so it, it invests based on algorithms on the market and different bonds and target funds. So I have a couple different accounts that I monitor um, on the daily basis, just checking it out, and it's really helped me just learn more about business too and, and kind of about my own personal finance. But those are the tools I use. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Do you have a specific question about it in, in general that you want to touch upon? Yeah, I mean, um, there's a lot of of options out there. Um, you know, like you said, you have you know the you know 401k that your work provides mm-hmm. or offers, and then um, you have you know day trading if you or, or no, not necessarily day trading, but just mm-hmm. general stock market trading. Yep. And then you have you know investing for the future. Um, whether it's a Roth IRA or you just personal accounts that you're, you know, monitoring, you want to save money and things like that. But mm-hmm. right now, um, you have the stock market, which is where most of these things we're talking about. This is where you're investing it. And right. then you have another option, which is a savings account. Mm-hmm. And then as far as other options, um, there, there really aren't that many. And, um, you also have to deal with um, uh, how you how you juggle uh, student loans and things like that. So I guess how have you decided um, which ways to you? It seems like what you've done is you've kind of put uh, eggs in a lot of different baskets, and it yep. seems like that is a, a tactic that a lot of financial advisors like uh, recommend because in that sense you're you're minimizing risk. Yeah, exactly. So I, the way I took the approach at first when I graduated was finding the greatest return for your money. So if you have loans, college or student loans, whatever it may be, or even debt, like credit card debt, it's all about finding the way you can maximize your return on your, the money you have liquid right now. So like in your savings account, most likely the savings account you have is generating very minimal interest, like 0.05%, like or even lower. Yeah. Um, but if you're paying, if you think about it, say your loans are at 6%, every dollar you pay to your loans, you're basically, in theory, making a 6% return because if you had that just sitting in your savings account and not paying off your loans, your loans would accrue or accrue interest by 6%. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a good way to think about it. And I thought about it at first when I graduated. I was like, I want to pay down my loans as fast as possible because right now I'm not investing my money in anything, but yeah. my loans are accruing 6%. So it's an easy way to guarantee a 6% return on my money by paying off my loans yeah. because that interest isn't accruing. That's, um, that's, the, other, the, that's the one thing. It's like yeah. you know, you know um, the right thing to do is just – Throw all yeah. your money at your loans, but it's it's tough to see it it's go hard. for sure. But it's yeah. definitely you're definitely right. Like you're yeah. losing money, and and you're lo- even if you could invest money and it would get you five percent. If you're not paying the loans instead, you're yep. act- technically losing money. Yeah. So put it this way: if you're paying down your loans of six percent, you're guaranteeing that return. Whereas if you put all your money into the stock market and you make five percent return, that's great. That whole time you're still losing one percent because yep. you didn't your student loans. Um, and obviously it depends on on the the value of them and how much you have. But the other thing is that I I learned was the best thing you can do as a recent grad is if your company offers 401k matching, 
take full advantage of that and, and max it out. Because what that means is for every dollar that you're putting in up to a certain percentage, your company is going to match that to the dollar or to whatever amount. And that's a guaranteed 100% return. So if I'm putting in $10 and my company matches uh, 100% of up to $10, say, for the year, I'm going to have $20. That's an automatic 100% return. Um, yeah. So that's... That's another way to look at it too. For sure, and and that is a huge thing for uh for companies that do offer that because mm-hmm. most of them offer it around uh three percent or more um of exactly. of your earnings. So that's a that's a good chunk right there that you're basically handed to as long as you uh register an account. Yeah, it's basically a bonus. It's a bonus of three percent on your salary over the year. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That that's definitely something that you got to get into. But and then I also am a little skeptical. Mm-hmm. Um, just and I, I'm sure I speak for a lot of people out there who, when they're trying to invest, you know, um, aside from the 401k, which you know will be in there for a long time and will mm-hmm. stand and, and will, uh, although the market will fluctuate at the end, uh, inflation will will bump up your your money and in, in the investment is worth it, but um, a lot of a lot of the investment avenues are through the stock market, and yep. it can seem as though okay, I'm putting my money at risk here. So right. it, it's it's really uh, kind of difficult to say okay, I got all this money in the stock market, <laughs> and and right now the alternative isn't great because the savings account isn't getting you much interest, like you were saying. Right, right, but, yeah. It's so it's it's risky because you could wake up the next day and the market could crash, um, and then or you could have uh, like a good foundation in your savings account where you know it's not going to go anywhere. Um, the one thing that I implemented into my investing, and I actually learned this through the book Rich Dad Poor Dad um, that I read, is a stop loss. So I don't know if you use a stop loss, but basically, say I buy like a hundred dollar stock. Um, I can have a stop loss of that at a certain number, and if that stock hits that number, the the, the bottom of it, so say it's ninety dollars, it'll actually trigger an automatic sell at ninety dollars. Um, so that's actually a really good way to de-risk your portfolio, um, and I actually do that through Robinhood on every stock that I invest in. I'll put a stop loss, like depending on the stock, like uh, I don't know, three to four dollars below. And so if that stock, for some reason, say they have like a bad earnings report or like there's this like, you know, the American Airlines or United Airlines, whoever it was, has like that scandal, the stock plummets, you actually have that kind of cushion and that mattress where it triggers an automatic sell. So that's one of the ways I de-risk my portfolio. Um, But obviously, yeah, it's hard to like, and especially if you don't know what you're really doing, it's hard to be like, I'm just going to put it in here. It's like kind of, it's like playing the lottery at some point. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I definitely will. I definitely do recommend for someone who wants to save money and and get something better than a savings account to definitely do a Betterment or a Wealthfront, which are which are both yeah. robo advisors. And what what they do is essentially they're automatically um, investing in pretty large mutual funds and and ETFs. And what they do is kind of just they match the the they they're a competitor to uh, the savings account in the sense that they're right. going to get you a good return because they're diversified in a lot of different things and you don't have to specifically purchase each one as as you put money into that account it'll it'll allocate 
it to yeah. the percentage you want. Yeah, and you can set up, I think, like target retirement funds. So, like, you know, being a younger investor, it's a little more your portfolio is a little more risk tailored because you have like 30 years before you're retiring. So you can actually like change your portfolio risk based on what you want to do. Like if you're like really risk averse and you don't have that much liquidity, but you want your money to start accruing interest or making money, you can go a risk adverse portfolio. But if you're like, Hey, this is just like an extra thousand I've laying around. Like I want to see what I can do with it. You can make it a riskier type portfolio. So yeah, betterment's great. And Obviously, I love Robinhood too. So those are two really good yeah. ones that I that I try to take advantage of as as awesome as I can. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, the one thing uh, also I'll say is definitely don't just stuff your mattress with uh, money because mm-hmm. it's not making you any money sitting around. So for yeah. sure, but definitely save losing it. money with inflation. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> You're a, losing money <laughs> for sure. But um, yeah, so. Um, uh, I guess um, I guess we'll switch uh, topics a little bit. Um, I know that you are, uh, you know, your your dad is from Australia. I've I haven't really at, talked to you about it at all, but like I just knew that, and you always like travel to Australia, and you know, um, what can you say a little bit about like were you born in Australia? Yeah, yeah. So I was actually born there, and then I moved here. So I'm a dual citizen, U.S. Australia. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, it's always it's always my fun fact. Like in school, or like when you start your first day at work, or like say the fun fact. It's a pretty easy go to. Yeah, that's um, nice. But yeah, I I was born there, and I moved to the U.S. when I was two. Um, so I actually don't remember uh, really anything from it, just vicariously through pictures. But um, I actually went back for the first time since I was born this past winter. So that was really cool, actually. Yeah. Uh, so were you? what did you do when you were there? Saw family. So I saw a lot of family that I haven't seen in a while, um, which was awesome. And then just traveled to different parts of uh, the country. So we went to uh, Melbourne and Sydney. So saw a lot of the cool historical sites and like the opera house, things like that. And then Actually, my um, the company NetSuite that I work for, how we have like obviously satellite offices all around the world. And one of the cool things that we're able to do is work out of other offices. Um, so when I was there, um, I actually worked out of our Sydney, Australia office. So it's kind of Jeez. funny to see you're yeah. working on vacation. <laughs> well, yeah, I was there for for a day. I, I went in for one day, but it's kind of cool to just see like a different office and, and kind of the whole different culture over there business wise. So it was really cool. Yeah. What would you say, um, uh, is like the difference in culture, uh, as in Australia in, in that, um, brief time that you were there? I would say it's a lot more easygoing. Um, so obviously living in the Northeast, it's kind of the hustle and bustle, like not as much as New York city, but like Boston or just the Northeast in general is like really always go, 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 go. And I would relate it to more of Southern us. So like the Midwest and kind of how it's a lot more easygoing and relaxed that kind of parallels the scene over in Australia and something really cool. I remember my dad telling me a couple of years ago is that, he so he lived in Australia all his life until he moved over to the US. But when he was working for a company, when he would take vacation time PTO, um, so you know, you're getting paid for time, you know, you have a certain amount of days you can take for time off. 
when he was in Australia, whenever you would take PTO, you would get paid 125% of your normal salary. So you would actually get paid more on PTO than you would. And the, the justification behind that was because you you spend more when you're on vacation. <laughs> hey, uh, <we laughs> I'm not making that up. That that's that's interesting. You know, yeah. they know they know you're about to spend a lot of money. So hey, this is so you don't feel bad spending all that money. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's like a complete. It's a it, that's kind of that's like a really good way to sum it up in terms of just the culture. It's a lot more easygoing, but it was really cool going back. And obviously, it's like so different and. It was awesome. I I know you're into travel. I don't, you've never been to Australia, right? No, no, I haven't. And um, I I actually um, when I was a kid, I got this like little letter about like <laughs> you know like the the kid ambassador programs where you could kind of oh, travel. Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought about it, but obviously it's really expensive. But yeah, I've I've definitely been interested in Australia and New Zealand. And uh, I could definitely vibe with a with a chill culture for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's the plane ride's so long though. I oh, think it's yeah. like twenty around twenty hours, which is crazy. It's insane. But yeah, that's cool that you're able to you know um, have some family there and kind of feel welcome in, in a place that really you've you've only lived there for a few years. Yeah, I'm a citizen there, but I've spent very minimal time. <laughs> I know that's crazy, but yeah, um, no, that'll be good. You know, you'll be able to travel there whenever, and um, you know, it, that's that's a cool little um, background. You know, yeah, so. that was great. But yeah, so uh, definitely we'll be looking to see how how everything's going with you and. And how the businesses and, and and all your different things you got going on are progressing. So uh, I appreciate you coming on and kind of sharing a little bit of your knowledge and and your experiences with business and your work experience. So thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. And looking forward to uh, keep keep on listening and, and hearing more people kind of share their stories and their background. It's it's fun listening along. All right. Thanks a lot, Matt. And. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. Yep. Have a good one, man. All right, guys. That was the interview with Matt Keys. I thought it went really well. Um, you know, Matt, Matt's a really smart guy. And, and what one thing I noticed um, through the interview was really how much uh, time he really spends on all these things and how busy he is. Um, you know, he's got his, uh, nine to five job, um, that, you know, takes a a big chunk of time, but then, you know, he also has this small business that he's able to run with just him, uh, his business partner and a few other guys, um, as well as, um, you know, people he's able to hire, uh, to help him on the weekends. Um, but it's, uh. I'm sure that's a lot, a lot of commitment. I know when I visit him, um, when I visit Morgan um, up at their apartment, um, it's pretty, um, you know, I, it's noticeable how much time, you know, he's he's spending, um, even in his off time, on other projects and things like that. And oh yeah, I'll, uh, not to mention he's also pursuing a MBA um, in his spare time. So that, that's another thing that's going to eat up a lot of time. So, um, which is, which is really, um, 
it's inspiring to see, you know, someone who's really um, striving to to take advantage of the time they have and, and better themselves and try to um, get out there and get out there and take advantage of your time. So it was nice to talk to him. Another thing that I I noticed and thought was really cool was that, um, you know, Matt and his partner, uh, his business partner that he went into uh, with to create this uh, showcase, uh, they went into this business knowing they had a lot of competition. Um, And it's kind of inspiring in the sense that um, there's always going to be a little doubt doubts in your head thinking that um, there's no market or there's what you're providing um, isn't needed or things like that but that's this is just an example of you know showing that regardless of the competition out there if you believe in in what you can provide and you work hard at at, at something um, that you can find a way to um, have success regardless of what the area of it is and I thought that it was really cool and, and really awesome to see um, you know a couple of young guys create a business within a market that is really professional and is really popular so it was nice to see that and one thing I noticed too about Matt like not necessarily from the interview but um, he really cares about the the work he's doing and and how it comes off. You know, he he want he's really striving for that positive feedback, like a lot of people are. And um, I guess that kind of ties into a story um, that I had for th- that's about Matt. And I think that will I will transition to the story portion of the episode. So for this story, um, this story is about um, one event, uh, one of the many events that Matt Keys has organized, and and uh, he he's really meticulous in the details, and he likes to have you know social events, and like for example, he he may throw a party or a um, you know maybe it's a poker night or something like that, but he's able to really orchestrate down to the very details how how it's going to work out and this um this story was he organized a kind of like a beach um party and sleepover you had to bring like tents and things and he had access to uh, kind of like a semi-public beach that doesn't get used and he was able to you know you're, you're able to sleep over on it um because he knew about it because his parents had a house on on on, on this small island and um so we he invited everybody and uh you know he made sure everybody knew about it and um it's it's quite the ordeal to schedule it because you got to make sure you, you, you got to worry about all the um logistics of is there enough tents is there enough uh food when you have a sleepover at a beach, there's so much to worry about, and he was all over it, you know. The one thing that ended up happening that I don't think he foresaw was that there would be an absolute torrential downpour slash thunder and lightning storm 
uh, right when we were thinking about setting up tents and and everybody was kind of kind of drunk and and ready to go to bed, so uh, all hell kind of broke loose because the tents were just falling over, the rain was coming in sideways, we couldn't keep a fire, so people were freezing. Um, it was it was crazy, but the thing was is he was so worried about. Um, that people like didn't have fun or anything like that, but um, the whole day was really cool and um, and it was just interesting because he kept asking us the next day like, oh, like was it was it a disaster blah blah, blah. but I mean it was it was a memorable day and I thought um, it goes to show how much he, you know he cares about um, like what he organizes and. So, yeah, it was really, it was a crazy day for sure, but uh, I just thought I'd share that um, as the story of the episode. So, that is the show. Make sure you guys subscribe, and also I will be posting links for all of, a couple of the topics we talked about, like investing and all of Matt's uh, info regarding his website for his business and his social media so definitely check that out so i will see you guys next time thanks